spicy food? Why do some people like it and others not? Is it possible that capsaicin in spicy food can treat pain, promote cognition, mental health, and recovery from drug addiction? I think you'll be surprised. Tune in for all the details only here on the People's Scientist Podcast. People Scientist, the podcast dedicated to helping us optimize our health with the latest scientific findings on neuroscience, physiology, and nutrition. I, your host, Dr. Stephanie Caligiuri, a nutritionist, physiologist, and neuroscientist, will be here with you every single week, bringing us information to ignite our thinking to help us be one step closer to the healthiest we can be. Hello, my People Scientist Army, and welcome back to the People Scientist Podcast for episode 68, where every week I arm us with some scientific evidence so we can all lead the healthy lives we want to live. Okay, so who here listening right now likes spicy food? I feel like people are either in one of two camps. Either you love it or you can't handle it. I personally love spicy food. So that got me thinking, what is the neuroscience behind why people may enjoy spicy food, and others are not able to handle it. So for today's fun episode, I'm going to share some scientific evidence on how spice can impact our brain and body. So as we always do, let's start off with some core takeaways. So what is it in spicy food that gives us that heat response? It is mostly attributed to a molecule called capsaicin. So why do some people like spicy food and others do not? Well, it appears that there are many genetic variations for the receptor in our body that responds to capsaicin. This genetic variation in part explains why some people are more sensitive to spice versus others. Many studies also show that we can develop tolerance to spicy food quite quickly too. Using brain scans, we can see that spicy food can activate brain regions involved in pleasure, reward, and motivation. Eating spicy food seems to be linked to two people who are sensation seekers and like the adrenaline rush. Fascinatingly, in new exciting areas of research, the receptor TRPV1 that capsaicin in spicy food activates has been implicated in pain and mental health like depression, anxiety, as well as addiction. Interestingly, skin patches, lotions, and nasal sprays containing low doses of capsaicin have illustrated to be a potential way to improve measures of pain. Preclinical studies are looking at capsaicin as a way to reduce measures of depression and to promote cognition, memory, and recovery from drug addiction. So this is a super cool and cutting-edge area of mental health and pain research right now. So let's get into those details. The compound in spicy food or drinks that is thought to entice the pain or pleasure of spicy food is thought to be attributed to the compound capsaicin. So the higher the amount of capsaicin, the more spicy something may seem. The Scoville scale is based on the capsaicin content of spicy peppers. So this is a number system or scale that lets people know 
how hot or spicy something is. Pure capsaicin is at the very top of that scale with a value of 15 million Scoville units. I believe right now the Carolina Reaper is the hottest pepper available at 2.2 million Scoville units. Have you ever tried a hot sauce or dish with the Carolina Reaper? I haven't. It is very hot, but I mixed a tiny dab of that hot sauce in with some food, so it was quite bearable. But by comparison to some more popular hot peppers, a cayenne pepper would be about 50,000 Scoville units, and a jalapeno pepper would be only about 8,000 Scoville units on that scale. So that Carolina Reaper pepper is way above the typical peppers that we see. So some people love spicy food, and some cannot handle it. Why is that? Well, O'Neill wrote a great review in 2012 on this topic. And the reason being is it could be due to a few reasons. For example, capsaicin induces its effects on us by binding to the TRPV1 receptor. Now, I'm going to talk about this receptor quite a bit throughout the episode. So just remember that capsaicin, which is present in spicy food, does its thing by acting on the TRPV1 receptor. So its actions on us are due to its effects on that receptor. So why some people may like spicy food and others don't could be in part because of our genetic differences in that TRPV1 receptor. In fact, there are six different SNPs or known genetic variations in humans for the TRPV1 receptor. A good analogy to help explain this would be Let's say that we both have a car, and your car has all four wheels, so your car drives around quite effectively, it does the job it's supposed to do. Whereas my car, for some reason, has only three wheels, so it doesn't drive around very well at all, and doesn't seem to be able to do its job very effectively. It's the same type of thing for our genetic code for the TRPV1 receptor that responds to capsaicin. See, if you have a full genetic code for your TRPV1 receptor, then it's going to do its job quite effectively, meaning that when you eat capsaicin, you're going to feel the effects of it because your TRPV1 receptor is doing what it's supposed to do, respond to spicy food. Whereas my genetic code seems to be incomplete, like my car only had three wheels. For in some people, there is an exon missing for the genetic code for the TRPV1 receptor, so their receptor does not seem to function as well. As a result, I might be more tolerant to spicy food because my receptors are not responding to the same extent that yours are. Clinical studies illustrate that people living with certain genetic variants in this receptor have different sensitivities to hot temperature, cold temperature, and capsaicin. So some people may be very sensitive or less sensitive to the effects. We also know that tolerance and desensitization to spicy food or capsaicin can happen rather quickly as well. This has been very well documented. So people who grew up eating spicy food are likely to tolerate it better as well. So why might some of us crave spicy food? Well, let's look at the neuroscience. Zhu and colleagues just last year performed a study in which participants underwent an fMRI scan of their brain. These individuals were grouped into either those who crave spicy food or those who do not. And the scientists proceeded to show the individuals different images of foods that were clearly spicy or not. It turns out in individuals who crave spicy food, when they see images of this type of food, regions in their brain that regulate reward and pleasure were recruited. 
These same, these same brain regions are commonly activated during other pleasurable things like drugs, nicotine, alcohol, music, exercise, caffeine. They also tend to be robustly recruited. These brain regions include the putamen, the insula, and the anterior cingulate cortex. These brain regions have been implicated in urges to consume pleasurable things and are implicated in addiction. So this speaks to the fact that spicy food may recruit similar brain regions as addictive or pleasurable things. This may be due to the fact that the TRPV1 receptors that respond to capsaicin are present in these pleasure and reward brain regions, meaning that they might be able to change the activity of these brain regions. But does capsaicin make its way to our brain? It appears that it does, yes, as 50 to 90% of the capsaicin we eat is absorbed in the stomach and small intestines and makes its way to our blood. The maximum concentrations appear in our blood after one hour after consuming something spicy. In rats, they do indeed see capsaicin appearing in the brain, but only about 5% of the original dose seems to make its way to the brain. Spicy food craving or the liking of spicy food may also be related to our personality traits. In 2016, in the journal Appetite, interestingly, scientists compared whether or not someone liked spicy food to risk-taking and sensation-seeking. The scientists made two types of spicy strawberry jam where they added two different levels of capsaicin. The participants ate the jam and measured their likability and pleasure and tolerance of the jam. The scientists also had the participants do a popular psychology test that measures someone's risk-taking. It is called the balloon analog risk test. This was done on the computer. With each click of the mouse on the balloon, the balloon would inflate a little bit more every time. But the participants would also gain some money with every click of the mouse. But if they overinflated the balloon, it would pop and they would lose all of their money. The participants had several rounds of inflating a different balloon to gain money, so they could potentially adjust their risk-taking as the game went on. What the scientists noted was the individuals who tended to like the spicy jam, and also who tended to eat more spicy food, had higher measures of risk-taking. For example, individuals who reported eating spicy food every day and who really liked the jam had an impulsivity score six times higher and the individuals who do not eat spicy food at all, and who rated the spicy jam as unpleasurable. On average, the group that did not like the spicy food clicked on the balloon 19 times, whereas the group who enjoys spicy food clicked the balloon 40 times, so just over double. The scientists also noted high measures of sensation-seeking in those who liked spicy food. So what do you think of these results? I love spicy food and, and probably eat spice every day, but I'm not so sure I am a risk-taking person. A sensation seeker, perhaps, because I do love adventure, adrenaline rushes from sports, like I've gone skydiving and I would love to go again. So maybe there's something to it. In fact, in preclinical models, capsaicin is known to recruit the locus ceruleus region of the brain which can respond by increasing adrenaline or epinephrine in our system. So this speaks to the sensation or thrill-seeking aspect of eating spicy food. So there are some basics on why some people may love spicy food. It could be due to genetic differences in the sensitivity, due to the development of tolerance, 
sensation-seeking, the adrenaline rush, and because of the recruitment of pleasure brain regions. Now, I want to get into some exciting new areas of research in regard to capsaicin and TRPV1 receptor in regard to treating pain and for promoting mental health. There are several clinical trials looking at the ability for skin patches or creams containing low concentrations of capsaicin to treat nerve pain. Now, you might be thinking, treat pain? When we think of spice or capsaicin, we might think of heat and pain. But what is really interesting is through many, many studies, scientists have learned of an interesting phenomenon. It is well recognized that capsaicin can cause pain and sensitization of both peripheral and central nerves. So the nerves in our body, limbs, skin, as well as our spinal column. But capsaicin can also lead to desensitization of these same nerves and withdrawal of epidermal nerve fibers. So what that means is even though capsaicin initially may induce pain, over time it may actually block pain. And there's many clinical studies to actually support this. For example, in 2012, a controlled double-blind study with more than 400 patients with nerve pain applied a skin patch containing 8% capsaicin or a control patch just one time for 60 minutes on their area of pain. Then the patients were followed up up for several weeks. A 30% reduction in pain was seen in 46% of the people, and the pain relief lasted for the entire 12-week study period. So the results from just one application of a skin patch for one hour seemed to last 12 weeks in nearly half the people. That's quite profound. In another clinical trial, 99 patients with nerve pain due to chemotherapy applied either a placebo cream or a much lower concentration than the previous trial, 0.075% capsaicin cream, to their areas of nerve pain. The patients noted a 53% reduction in pain with the capsaicin cream versus the placebo group that saw a 17% reduction in pain. The results in this trial were quite prominent, that it could reduce their pain by just over half. There are several more clinical trials showing similar results. In other pain conditions, such as with migraines, a nasal spray containing a low dose of capsaicin was also shown to improve migraines by 50 to 80% in a couple of very small pilot studies with about 8 patients. Now, this nasal spray was very low dose as it contained 300 micrograms of capsaicin dissolved in 80% saline and 10% paraffin oil and 10% polyethylene glycol. So who would have thought that capsaicin could help with pain? I found this to be absolutely fascinating. And the mechanism by how it's able to reduce pain is quite profound as well because it causes a rapid desensitization of the nerves. It is very important for us to keep in mind some side effects were noted, like skin redness, skin burning, and temporary mild pain. Now, I do caution against us making our own lotion or nasal spray, as it could be very dangerous to our skin or nasal passages if it's done incorrectly. Skin patches containing capsaicin do cause the capsaicin to enter the top layer of the skin very rapidly within one minute, and these levels are often detectable in the blood in the nanogram per milliliter of blood range. So again, even though capsaicin may initially induce pain, it appears to have a very quick desensitization response that will 
block that initial pain response and actually reduce the sensitivity of the neurons, which could potentially be beneficial in regard to pain processing. Another super interesting area for capsaicin research is in regard to cognition and dementia. In 2016, Hu realized that eating spicy food seemed to be associated with many reduced risk factors for Alzheimer's disease, such as reduced levels of amyloid beta and better scores of cognition and memory in humans. Preclinical data supports this, as capsaicin seems to improve measures of cognition and memory. But the clinical data is quite limited in this area, however it seems very interesting and plausible. Another really interesting area of research for spicy food on the molecule capsaicin is in regard to mental health and drug addiction. Now, all this data in regard to capsaicin and mental health is limited to preclinical models. Unfortunately, I have yet to come across any data in humans to support this. But nevertheless, this data is really fascinating, and it lays the foundation for future clinical research. For example, the TRPV1 receptors have been detected in several different brain regions, including brain regions that regulate our mood, motivation, reward, and pleasure. These brain regions are activated when we consume addictive things like alcohol, nicotine, caffeine, and illicit drugs. And these same brain regions are implicated in the feelings of depression or withdrawal when taking of the drug stops. And when individuals feel those symptoms of withdrawal, they are are at a higher risk for relapse and becoming addicted again. So as a result, scientists started to question if the TRPV1 receptors in the brain could be activated by capsaicin, and if that would change the activity of these brain regions and change drug addiction or withdrawal or depression. So for example, in 2011, Hayaz illustrated that After application of nicotine in a preclinical model, withdrawal was induced and measures of depression were seen, but a low-dose treatment of capsaicin was able to significantly reduce withdrawal symptoms and reduce measures of depression in nicotine withdrawal. Further, in another study in the journal Neuroscience in 2016, the scientists also looked at another type of drug, an amphetamine. The drug methamphetamine would, or meth would be an example of an amphetamine. In the preclinical model, withdrawal from the drug was induced, and measures of depression were again noted. The scientists administered this time capsaicin to the brain in this model and noted a very strong antidepressant effect. They realized that this was mediated by those TRPV1 receptors, but also seemed to be mediated by the NDMA receptors too. Some old studies in rodents indicated that pretreatment with capsaicin before exposure to morphine may have reduced signs of drug withdrawal and relapse. So what's really fascinating is capsaicin does not seem to just have an impact on one type of drug, but several different classes of drugs, as capsaicin seemed to reduce the withdrawal symptoms from nicotine, from a strong stimulant like an amphetamine, as well as from a pain medication like morphine. So that's really profound. Some preclinical models also show that capsaicin may modulate measures of anxiety and depression. But again, these have yet to be seen in humans, but super interesting nonetheless. Further, capsaicin may also seem to have some benefit for other neurological conditions. For example, Gibson in 2008 reported that the TRPV1 receptor 
is necessary and sufficient to trigger long-term synaptic depression in excitatory synapses in the hippocampal interneurons, and that this can be achieved with capsaicin. So what does that mean? Well, that means that capsaicin has the potential for disorders like epilepsy or alcohol withdrawal. Because in epilepsy or alcohol withdrawal, there's too much excitation in certain regions of the brain. And if capsaicin can quiet down that excitation, then it may have some potential as a treatment. But again, this is just limited to animal studies, but still a super fascinating area of research. I think it's absolutely fascinating that something as simple as capsaicin that is present in hot peppers or spicy food that is so available to us may actually be a powerful treatment in regard to treating pain or promoting mental health or cognition or recovery from drug addiction. So right now, I feel like this is such a cutting-edge area of research that I really hope makes its way to clinical trials very soon. So that is a wrap, my people scientist army. Why might we enjoy spicy food? Because it appears that it can recruit reward and pleasure brain regions. It may induce a sensation of an adrenaline rush by recruiting the locus ceruleus of our brain. And maybe based on animal studies, spicy food could have an antidepressant effect through the effect of capsaicin on the TRPV1 receptors. Why might some enjoy spicy food and not others? Well, there are genetic differences in the TRPV1 receptor, which could explain why some people are more sensitive to the effects versus others. Intolerance can be achieved quite quickly as well. Actually, this quick tolerance allows for capsaicin to be a potential treatment for nerve pain and migraines, as some clinical trials indicate that with nasal spray, skin patches, or lotions that contain a low dose of capsaicin appear to desensitize nerves and reduce pain. Animal studies indicate that capsaicin and TRPV1 receptors are a really intriguing new target to promote mental health, memory, and recovery from drug addiction. I really hope some new data in humans will be published very soon. For I myself, in a few years when I have my own lab, can study this. Fingers crossed. So I hope you all have a healthy and happy week, and I hope you enjoyed this fun episode on the potential health benefits of capsaicin in spicy food. So I will meet you all back here at the same time and same place next week on the People Scientist Podcast. Bye for now. I am a scientist simply sharing scientific evidence. Some of the clinical interventions I discuss are not appropriate for everyone. Before making any changes to your diet or lifestyle, please do consult the advice of your physician or dietitian. My opinions expressed here do not necessarily reflect those of Mount Sinai Hospital and its affiliates. Thank you.